Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Everything USC podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles' number one sports podcast network, the only place with the show for every team in LA and much more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? I'm your host, Nara Wang, and for episode 38 of the Everything USC podcast, I welcome back to the show a guy I've known since we were both freshmen at the University of Southern California back in the 20th century, (laughs) and now the host of NFL Fantasy Live on the NFL Network, Marcus Grant. Marcus, always good to have you on the Everything USC podcast. Yeah, man, we have, uh, at this point, we have known each other longer than we have not known each other. And yeah, you're right. We go all the way back to the late 1900s uh, with this friendship. So. Scary. <laughs> but it's good. It's good to be here. At least it's good to be here after a win, considering a couple of weeks ago it was pretty bad. <laughs> yes, it was. And of course, if you enjoy listening to this show, you can subscribe, download, and rate it wherever you get your favorite podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn, or go right to the website, Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V. Dot com on social media at believe podcasts for me i am on twitter you can find and follow me there at nara wang sports n-a-r-a-w-e-n-g sports marcus let the people know all the places they can catch up with you yeah the best place is usually twitter it's marcus g m-a-r-c-a-s-g although i've joined the tiktok now because i got to keep up with the kids uh-oh yeah so you can find me on tiktok i think it's marcus grant uh, it's just my full name yeah, but other than that, yeah, the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast a couple times a week, and then NFL Fantasy Live on NFL Network. This is a West Coast-based show, so 3 p.m. Pacific. Usually I get the time out in Eastern, but uh, I figure most of the people listening to this probably are based on the in the Pacific time zone. We got listeners all over the place, but all right. we're all about the West Coast bias on this show. Of course. So you and I, both NorCal guys, USC guys, we got to rep for the West Coast. Absolutely. The Everything USC podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. We're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back for another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use promo code NFL100. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. I'm Al Simon, 91 years young. I created Balance 7 20 years ago. I don't believe God intended for us to be old and sick. For 10 years, I studied pH and how important it is to the immune system. No doctor or hospital can do what Balance 7 can do for you. Balance 7 is the key to unlocking a healthy immune system. In three days' time, you'll feel more energy, less joint discomfort, and clarity of thinking. Bring your body back to balance. Order now and receive free shipping and a free bottle of my skin. Use the code word AL. Through the first 29 minutes of the game last Saturday at Washington State, the Trojans looked like they were just continuing the Stanford game from the prior week. You know, the one that got Clay Helton fired and Dante Williams installed as the interim head coach. 
Only this time, they were playing in cold and rainy conditions up in Pullman, Washington, after having been on a plane that tipped backwards on the tarmac the day before upon arrival in Lewiston, Idaho, with some coaches and support staff still on board. Also, the starting quarterback, Keaton Slovis, got knocked out on the very first drive of the game, taking a hit to his head and neck area while being sacked on a third down play. True freshman Jackson Dart entered the game to replace Slovis, and his first drive ended with him throwing an interception. USC punted on his second drive, and then Dart fumbles to give the Cougars the ball to end his third drive. At this point, every Trojan fan who felt that things couldn't possibly get worse with Helton gone was now wondering if they had miscalculated the depths of the abyss that SC had fallen into. Then, with 38 seconds to go in the first half, on 4th and 9 from the Wazoo 38-yard line, Gary Bryant Jr. gets behind the defense and Dart hits him in stride for a momentum-shifting touchdown, allowing the Trojans to head into the break, feeling better about themselves, despite still being down 14-7. USC would force a fumble on the kickoff to start the second half and go on to score 38 more unanswered points and cruise to a 45-14 win that felt like it came out of some fever dream instead of reality. Jackson Dart finishes 30 of 46 passing for 391 yards, four touchdowns, did throw two interceptions, and he also led the team in rushing with 32 yards on the ground. The pass yardage is the most ever by a Trojan quarterback in his debut game. Marcus Grant. Some people are rushing to crown Dart the next big thing, and Dante Williams is some master motivator, but we all need to just take a deep breath, calm down, and continue to focus on the fact that it was just one game against a mediocre opponent and realized that this team still has a long way to go, even though it was a step in the right direction. Am I correct here? You are. I mean, look, they needed that game. They needed that win after just being embarrassed at home by Stanford, you know, going through the turmoil of having the head coach fired and you know, having a new interim head coach. I mean, literally like listening to you detail Everything that could go wrong, you know, the airline flight being bad, the weather conditions. So it was encouraging for them to not only get the win, but to rally and end up winning it pretty easily going away. But yeah, this doesn't erase everything that's happened up to this point. It doesn't erase, you know, everything that's gone on the last few years in the program. But it is a moment to feel good. And I think, you know, if you're a fan, if you're a player, Hopefully you did take a little bit of time on Saturday, maybe Sunday to sort of, you know, bask in it a little bit. But I know certainly for the coaches and the players, it's time to kind of get back to work because there is, as you mentioned, still a long way to go. And they still have to prove that they can be competitive in the Pac-12, in the Pac-12 South. I mean, look, regardless of what happened with UCLA against Fresno State over the weekend, you know, the Bruins came out, played very well. There are still a lot of teams that they're going to have to try to compete with. They still have to figure out can they compete with Oregon? Certainly through the first few weeks of the season, the answer looks like a very obvious no. So yeah, I mean, I think you just, you sort of take this for one game is what it is. You, you enjoy the fact that they, they figured out how to rally and kind of you know, avoid a lot of the critical mistakes, but understand that this is nowhere near close to a finished product right now. The Pac-12 South doesn't really want to talk about that Saturday because USC was the only team <laughs> in that division to actually win a game on Saturday. So the less said about that for the Pac-12, the better. More good things for USC, Drake London, career high in receptions and yards with his 13 catches for 170 yards, plus two touchdowns, but he did appear to get 
probably a concussion on that second touchdown catch late in the third quarter. We'll see what his status is for this week's game as we are recording this on a Tuesday, so still a ways to go. Gary Bryant Jr., though, did step up. Three catches, 56 yards, and a touchdown, plus a three-yard TD run on a backwards pass. Ten different Trojans caught a pass, including Kyle Ford getting his second career touchdown catch, a guy who's had two serious knee injuries in his football-playing career, so good to see him back. We also got to talk about the SCD holding Wazoo to 279 total yards, had three sacks and two picks. There were three different Cougar quarterbacks in the game, Jaden Delora, Victor Gabales, and Cameron Cooper. They only threw for 180 yards combined. There was a quick start by the running back, Max Borgie, who was giving me bad Christian McCaffrey vibes at the start of that (laughs) game, but he only ended up with 72 yards, and the rest of the team had just 27 on the ground. Drake Jackson coming up big with that strip sack in the end zone of Gabales with under four minutes to go in the third quarter, which is recovered by Tuli Tui Pelotu for the touchdown to give SC a 28-14 lead. Very next Wazoo offensive play. It's a long pass by Delora, who came back in after the Gabales turnover. He commits a turnover. Kalen Bullock, the freshman, intercepts it. Trojans convert that interception into that 31-yard TD catch by Drake London. So, obviously, that second half, a lot of good things happened. Like you said, SC needed some positive momentum. They got it. But overall, we still don't know what this team is made of until they can string things together. But for a first game with an interim head coach, after all the turmoil you talked about, it was a good sign. Now, I want to ask you, what did you think about the timing of Clay Helton being fired? And was it the decision that had to be done by Mike Bone. Yeah, it had to be done. I know for a lot of folks sort of on the outside, the question was, well, if you were going to fire him after two weeks, why wouldn't you have just fired him in the offseason? Which is a valid question. You know, I know that's one that a lot of fans and boosters were sort of asking is how is it that he was able to come back? I think the answer to that partially is One, you had a COVID year, which sort of puts a big asterisk on everything. You had the buyout situation still kind of being pricey in front of you. And you also had, I think, the mirage of the Trojans being five and one last year. But I think with them not only just losing to Stanford, but more losing the way they did to Stanford, uh, it was just sort of indicative of, I think, a lot of the black marks against the program on the field. It's just they looked sloppy. They looked unprepared a lot of really big mistakes at critical times. I mean, you know, look, at one point early in this game, maybe the turning point of that game was early against Stanford when the Cardinal looked like they were going to kick a field goal, a penalty against USC. Stanford takes the points off the board. They turn around, score a touchdown. And really from that point, they were off and running and it really wasn't close the rest of the night. And I just think those things coming back again. And if you're Mike Bone and you're in the athletic department, you see how the fans reacted. The fact that they were booing this team off the field, they were booing Clay Helton and understanding that it just was going to be a really untenable situation to come back home in a couple of weeks to play an Oregon State team with a fan base that was obviously frustrated and upset and angry, which you know not only affects their temperament, but more importantly for, for USC, it affects the gate. You know, When you have fans that are unhappy, they're just not going to show up. So I do think at that point, Mike Bone's hand was a little bit forced. They had to make the move. And so even though the timing, I think, for people on the outside looks suspect, I would say certainly for people in the USC fan base, it couldn't come at a moment too soon because I think, you know, the love affair 
was never really strong to begin with. And whatever little of it there was, was certainly over after the Stanford game. So the big question everyone's asking, who's going to be the next head coach at USC? Who would you like to see come in and lead the Trojans? I mean, what I would love to see is like Eric Bieniemy come in. I think that's not realistic for a number of reasons. One, I think the enemy is deserving of an NFL head coaching job, first of all. The other part of it is, unless something goes majorly wrong with the Kansas City Chiefs, which I don't expect, that means the enemy is probably not going to be available until February, maybe you know late January at the earliest. So I think that sort of makes him kind of a tough sling right there. Beyond that, I don't really know where they go because I think the requirements for a new head coach, first and foremost, I think it needs to be somebody that doesn't have previous ties to the program because it feels like SC has sort of been chasing this Pete Carroll glory for years by hiring you know, some of his assistants or hiring the assistants of the assistants. They've just been trying to hold on to that. And I think at this point, it would be wise just to get somebody that comes in with fresh eyes to this whole thing, with no ties, with no baggage, you know, trying to believe that they can kind of rekindle something that has long been lost. I think that's a big thing. The other part that makes it hard, though, is that I think the fan base wants a recognizable name. And I think that's where it gets difficult because, you know, so far out with so much time left in the season, I think what ends up happening is you're going to see a lot of these potential candidates sort of parlay this into some contract extensions. I know James Franklin is a name that has been thrown out there. I think Matt Campbell is a name that's been thrown out there. Maybe they are interested. Who knows? But I think more than anything, when you hear these names attached, to the rumor mill at USC, I think those athletic departments are going to maybe get a little bit scared and start to offer some job security to try to lock those coaches up. So, I mean, I think for me, those are the sort of the, the criteria that I'm looking for in the next head coach, who that is at this point, I really don't know. And I think we're going to go on a little bit of a roller coaster until we figure it out. Yeah, the problem I see is that a lot of fans just want the big splashy name. And they want to win the press conference. And that's great and all. And you might get a decent coach out of it. But winning the press conference is a big difference from actually winning on the field and changing the culture of a program. So I don't think there's a home run hire out there, per se. There might be some really good hires, doubles, triples, but a guaranteed home run hire, I don't think it exists. Really? I'm going to ask you this, and I don't know if you caught this over the weekend, but Gus Johnson uh, was doing the Cardinals Vikings game. And I'm not exactly sure how this came up, but he made a statement that he's heard Deion Sanders' name kind of floating around the rumor mill when it comes to the USC job, which was a surprise to me. That's Um, because Deion is getting (laughs) his name out there wherever he can. We know Prime, he's smart, he knows how to keep his name out there. And So I don't think that's realistic. I think it's smart by Dion because like you said, I think there are going to be a lot of coaches who are going to try and get their name involved in this race and either get an interview or parlay it into a new extension with their current school. So there's going to be a lot of coaches who are going to make money off of this USC head coaching hire. Only one is actually going to be getting that money from USC. There's still a long ways to go in the process. There are plenty of good coaches out there. But how many coaches are going to deliver what USC fans want? And that is national championship wins and consistently good teams that are going to be in the running to win the Pac-12 and go to a college football playoff, regardless of how many teams are going to be in this eventual college football playoff system. That's what everyone wants. I don't see 
a guaranteed hire that's going to necessarily deliver on all those things. So maybe it doesn't have to be the biggest name, but if it isn't, USC fans will probably complain. Now, if you'll recall, a lot of USC fans complained about Pete Carroll when he was first hired. I was one of the few who actually thought he was was a decent hire. You were one of the ones who I was trying to convince that I I think he can work in college where it didn't work in the NFL because he was more of a rah-rah guy. And it turned out great. But that wasn't a hire that everyone was loving. He was like the fifth choice at the time. So let's just wait and see how it turns out. And the key is get the right person. Don't just make the big splash and win a press conference. That's the way I look at it. No, I mean, I think, I think you're right, but you're right. I mean, everybody wants the big name. I mean, that's why I joked about it on Twitter, right? That Urban Meyer you know, perks his ears up at the mention of Clay Helton getting fired. I mean, I don't think Urban is coming, even if things go terrible in Jacksonville this year, which they look like they probably will. You know, I don't see him coming. I know Bob Stoops is another name that's out there. Although it's funny, they, they just keep kind of you know, plugging away along that Fox College pregame desk. <laughs> I mean, it's because the proximity to Leonard and Bush, right? Like they figure, be. <laughs> they figure that Matt and Reggie are whispering sweet nothings into their ears. Now, listen, <laughs> Urban Meyer would have been a home run hire in terms of football. But because of the other stuff, the optics of him being hired would have been bad for USC that's going through all these scandals. And that's why he wasn't hired. The administration, I think, has made it clear that they worry about the optics to the outside world. USC fans aren't going to care. Listen. If you're smart, you know Urban Meyer's reputation and what can happen within his programs. But guess what? He is a guaranteed win if you hire him in terms of football purposes. He will take USC to the promised land in terms of football. The other stuff that comes with it, okay, it's a little slimy, it's a little shady, it's all that stuff. But he's the one guy who would guarantee all the stuff that you want football-wise. But he's not coming because USC's administration made it clear that it wouldn't look good. So what has changed exactly in that regard? Nothing. And of course, now he has a big job that's paying him a lot of money. So I think that ship has sailed in that regard. So it is interesting, though. Again, everyone's name that's got any kind of name in college football will come up for this job because it's USC. It's a big time job. And we'll just have to see where it goes. And it will be interesting to see how Mike Bone handles this search, though. So, again, this is the Everything USC podcast. I'm Nara Wang. My guest today, a longtime friend and the host of NFL Fantasy Live on the NFL Network, Marcus Grant. If you enjoy the show, you can go to any of your favorite podcast directories to subscribe, download, and rate it. And also go to the website Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com to find this show and so many other shows covering so many other topics, not just in sports, and on social media at Believe Podcasts. For me, I'm on Twitter. Find and follow me there at Nara Wang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Marcus, where can the people find you? Twitter, here's the best spot, Marcus G, M-A-R-C-A-S-G. That's usually the clearinghouse for everything I'm doing, whether it's the podcast, it's show clips. That's usually the, the best and easiest place to find all my stuff. Exciting news. Our pod is partnering with PlayActionPools.com this season to bring some interactive fun to the sport we love most. You'll be able to get in on the action with our PlayActionPools.com football pick'em challenge, which is open to everyone. Here's how it works. Sign up for our contest, Believe Football Pick'em, at playactionpools.com, and then get your picks in each week. 
we're going to select the 10 highest profile games of the week between NFL and college football. Whoever gets the most picks correct each week will win a pair of electric sunglasses and a pair of DC shoes. Again, go to playactionpools.com and sign up for the contest. Believe, B-L-E-A-V, football pick'em. And if you plan on hosting your own football contest, go to playactionpools.com today. They've got Survivor, Pick'em, as well as a cool sportsbook-style concept called Build Your Bankroll. Playactionpools.com, your new home for all your office sports pools. Now it is time to preview this week's game. Back at home in the Coliseum to face the Oregon State Beavers. It's another night game, Saturday, 7.30 p.m. Pacific start. will be broadcast on FS1 and locally radio KABC 790 AM. Oregon State will be coming in with the same 2-1 record that the Trojans have, but it will be their first Pac-12 game as opposed to USC already having played two of them. Last week, the Beavers shut out Idaho 42-0, their first shutout since the 2008 Sun Bowl, which was that barn burner of a 3-0 win against the Pitt Panthers, and they beat Hawaii 45-27 in Week 2 after starting the season with a loss at Purdue 30-21. Their head coach, Jonathan Smith, is now in his fourth year at his alma mater, has a 11 and 23 overall record, 7 and 18 in conference. And of course, he was a four year starting quarterback for the Beavers from 1998 through 2001. He led the Beavers to possibly the greatest season in that school's history, the 2000 season that finished with a huge win in the 2001 Fiesta Bowl against Notre Dame, 41 to 9, an 11 and 1 record that season, finishing ranked fourth in the Associated Press poll. But, of course, USC has dominated the all-time series. 63 wins against just 11 losses and 4 ties. They have won 24 in a row in Los Angeles. The last loss in this town to the Beavers came in 1960. That's right, 1960. And the last game between these two teams was in 2018, up in Corvallis, a 38-21 Trojans victory. USC piling up 509 yards of total offense in that one, 332 rushing, with Aka Cedric Ware getting 205 of those yards to go with three touchdowns, and Vavai Malapai running for 101 as well. The last time they played... Here in Los Angeles, it was a 38-10 USC win in 2017. And coincidentally, that game that year also happened to follow a game where the Trojans played up at Washington State. So just interesting coincidence there. Looking at some of the key guys on offense for Oregon State, their quarterback situation was kind of in flux coming into the season They started Sam Neuer in the season opener at Purdue. He was ineffective and replaced by fourth-year sophomore Chance Nolan in that one. Nolan has now started the last two weeks. The expected starter that most people thought, Tristan Jebbia, is still dealing with soreness to a surgically repaired hamstring, so he hasn't played at all yet this season. Nolan, meanwhile, has played pretty well, 45-64 passing, over 70% for 634 yards, five touchdowns, and no 
interceptions so far. But they are led by their fifth-year junior running back, B.J. Baylor. He has seven touchdowns, tied for the most in the nation going into this weekend. 38 carries, 263 yards, averaging nearly seven yards per carry. And his mom, Linda, by the way, happens to be cousins with two pretty well-known Oregon State Beavers of the past, James and Jaquiz Rogers. So some good Beaver bloodlines right there. Wide receivers to look at. They've got a couple of really good experienced guys led by six-year senior Travon Bradford. 12 catches, 171 yards on the season. But they've also got young. I say young because he's still technically a freshman in eligibility, but it's his third year. Anthony Gould, eight receptions, 127 yards, and a touchdown on the year. Up front, Offensive line, they've got a super senior in center, Nathan Eldridge, leading that group, a 2020 first-team All-Pac-12 selection. And the Beavers lead the conference in total offense at over 452 yards a game and third down conversion percentage, getting over 57% of their third down so far. And they have managed to score 12 touchdowns in 14 trips to the red zone this season. On defense, linebacking core is really solid. Fifth-year junior inside linebacker Avery Roberts, who was a 2020 All-Pac-12 first-team selection by the coaches. He leads the team with 25 tackles this season, five for loss, also leading the team there. Has a sack as well. Third-year sophomore inside backer Omar Spates is second on the team with 23 tackles, one of those for loss, and has an interception. Their six-year super senior outside linebacker, Anje Hughes-Murray, 11 tackles, three for loss, two of them sacks, and seven quarterback hurries this season. And on special teams, the punter, Luke Losher, leads the Pac-12 with a 42.6-yard net punt average. So when you look at it, there are some decent weapons on both sides of the ball for Oregon State. And while they may not be the most talented team and they're not the most highly recruited guys, guys who didn't get recruited by USC who have that chip on their shoulder, a lot of California guys. So what does USC need to do to pick up the win this weekend? A few things I think they have to do. I think they got to spread the ball around on offense again, like they did against Washington State. Now, again, listen, we don't know the status necessarily of Keaton Slovis yet. We don't know what Drake London's status is after it looked like he may have had a concussion on his second touchdown catch. And even Jackson Dart, he took a big hit to his right knee that left him limping for most of that game. So he was going to get held out of practice possibly for a day or two there. So we just don't know who necessarily is going to be playing yet as we record this on a Tuesday. So that could change how things work. But I think they need to spread the ball around on offense, get a lot of people involved. On the other side of the ball, you got to contain the running back, B.J. Baylor. And then just a couple of battles to look at, the third down conversion battle between that Oregon State offense and the USC defense, which is only allowing teams to convert at a 32.4% rate. And then got to stop the team in the red zone. USC has allowed seven touchdowns in 12 red zone trips this season. So that's a battle of things that both sides are good at. What are you looking forward to in this matchup between the Beavers and the Trojans? 
Well, the one thing I've really been trying to keep an eye on is our wide receivers not named Drake London. I mean, week one, Taj Washington made a couple of nice plays and it felt like maybe he's going to be the next guy there. Then he sort of disappeared. Well, everybody kind of disappeared against Stanford. But, you know, we insist on running the air raid offense, right? That's what Graham Harrell wants to do. He wants to throw the football a ton. He wants to spread the field. But so far, I'm not convinced that the Trojans have the wide receivers to do that. I mean, there's, I like Drake London. I think he's a very good player. I think he's going to you know, have a pretty good NFL career, at least what I've seen so far. But there's also a reason that he is so heavily targeted. That's because there's just nowhere else that they feel confident throwing the football in this offense. So I think it's key to get other guys involved regardless. It's going to be even more important if London's not available or if he's less than 100%. So that's something I'm definitely going to watch. You mentioned stopping the run. That has been really crucial for SC so far this season. I mean, you know, they, they didn't get it done against the Cardinal. You talked about how early on Washington State was able to run the football until SC finally started to clamp down on that. But I think that's going to be important again this week. They've got to be able to stop the run because otherwise I think Oregon State wants to come in, try to control the clock, control the football as much as possible and keep this a, a low scoring game. I mean, I was surprised to read, and then you mentioned it as well, they, that the Beavers haven't won in Los Angeles since 1960. That that sort of blew my mind. And so I think for SC, it is just about that diversity on offense, getting more people involved. Hopefully they can run the ball better because they were abysmal at it last week. And I know that's the thing Dante Williams said that they've got to get better about. They don't have to be great. They just have to you know, run the ball well enough that the Beavers have to pay attention to it. That's really all they need. I had a little bit of a sad over the, <laughs> the weekend watching Bayless Jones highlights from Tennessee and like, you know, sort of like reaching out and, and wanting to bring that back to get our running game going again. But I think those are the sort of the keys. If they can do that and whoever the quarterback is, whether it's Slovis that comes back, whether it's Dart that's able to come back and play, just take care of the football. I think those things should be good enough to win. Yeah, it's funny how things have flipped, right? In the past, you would figure Oregon State's going to try and do some gadget offense against USC. USC's just going to pound the ball against an inferior, talented team. And now the world's upside down, right? We're running an air raid. Oregon State wants to run the ball. Who knows what's going on? Do you think there really is a quarterback controversy between Slovis and Dart? Now, I'll put it this way. Dart, once he got settled in, looked really good, especially for a true freshman. Threw the ball with more zip and with better, or not necessarily better, but quicker decision-making than we've seen from Slovis this year. But I don't think Slovis loses his starting job if he's healthy, right? I think you got to give him a chance still. The leash might be shorter, but he's still got to be the starter. I think that's the important thing. I think the leash is shorter. I think if Clay Helton were still the head coach, I think it's a no-brainer that Slovis comes back and gets the job. But I think with a new coaching staff and wanting to sort of evaluate what's there, I do think that gives Dart a little more of a fighting chance, I think, in practice during the week you know, and seeing what, what sort of happens. I was joking with some co-workers of mine who also are, are SC alums that you know one of them was going to start the Jackson Dart for Heisman campaign during the, uh, the comeback and the win on Saturday. But I do think realistically, this is still Slovis's job. I even read something during the week that maybe Jackson Dart is sort of the player that helps them land a big name coach that if people look at Dart and see him as a true freshman and see what he does, that maybe you know, one of those big splashy win the press conference names is more likely to show up. I don't know about that. But yeah, this is just a, a long way of saying it. I think this is still slow as his job, but I think he, you know, he might do well to kind of look over his shoulder and see who's coming behind him. All right, Marcus, you finally get to do it. It's time <laughs> for the 
always popular prediction segment of the show. You've been on before. Either it's been a bye week, so there was no game to pick, or like last year, the game got canceled by COVID. The one game that USC had against Colorado that was canceled by COVID, you were the guest that week. We recorded the whole show. (laughs) You actually made some predictions, I believe, but then we had to scrap it all because the game gets canceled and you had to come back on and re-record basically almost a whole new show because of the cancellation of that game. But barring any unforeseen stuff, and if some unforeseen stuff does happen, then you're never going to hear this. But you're going to get to make predictions now. Now I'm going to recap, though, what's gone on with the predictions. Last week, Ryan Leaf was the guest. And for the first time this season, I was taken down by one of the guests. He and I both picked Keaton Slovis as the players we believe in. So that was going to be a tie no matter what. And obviously, Keaton got injured on that first drive of the game. The game score, I went with USC 31-24, not covering the 7.5 point spread at the time that we recorded the show on Bet Online, which is, of course, a sponsor of this show. He went with the big 42-21 USC win, USC getting it done 45-14, so Ryan took the win there. And then in the prop bet selection, Nara's no-doubter last week was that the two offenses would combine for at least 800 yards. Of total offense, USC did its job getting 447. Wazoo's 279 makes it add up to 729. So I didn't get mine. And for Ryan's real things, he went completely crazy with his boldness and chose Wazoo forfeiting the game due to a COVID related (laughs) issue with head coach Nick Rolovich. Obviously, they played the game. That didn't happen. But because he got the game score, He still beat me on that. So now it's time to pick the players we believe in for this week's game between the Trojans and the Beavers. I'm going defense. I'm going with the linebacker Kanai Mauga to have a big game in helping to shut down Oregon State's offense. Marcus, who is the player you believe in? I'm going to stay on defense, too, and I'm going to go with Drake Jackson. I think he's going to get a couple of sacks in this one. The Trojans really have struggled getting pressure on the quarterback, but I think they figure out a way to get after the quarterback a little bit, and I think Drake Jackson is sort of the ringleader of that. All right, so we're both going on the defensive side for the players we believe in. Now to pick the game score, I'm going to let you go first, and to note for entertainment purposes as we record this show, Bet Online has the Trojans favored by 12. So I'm going to say SC wins and I'm going to say they win, let's call it 30 to 10. So it ends up being, you know, a fairly comfortable win. I think it's a game where, you know, the fans won't have to sweat it out like we have in the past few weeks. Uh, We can kind of enjoy the second half a little bit more. I hope you're right. And again, I am going to pick USC to win, but yet again, I'm going to pick them to not cover the spread. So I've been completely wrong (laughs) in every game so far they've either covered or they got embarrassed by stanford and lost so i'm hoping that they're just going to prove me wrong by doing what you're picking them to do which is to easily cover and i am going with 34 24 usc a 10 point win so close to the spread but not quite so again if they beat the spread marcus is going to take this one if they don't then i'll take it but hopefully it's a usc win that's what we're both looking for in this And it's time. The prop bet pick. Nara's no doubter. This is what I'm going to go with this week. 
I think it's going to be slightly ugly to start before both teams get going with a night game, late start. I'm saying there's going to be at least nine punts combined by both teams in the game. Nine plus punts in this game. Marcus, give me the name of your prop bet and then what it is. All right. The name of it is going to be taken for granted. It's just going to be a thing. You can just, you know, just take it for granted. It's going to happen. Very clever. You don't have to Very worry clever. about it. Thanks. My taken for granted is that the running game will get going, but it won't be Vivai Malapai. Instead, it'll be Keontae Ingram, who has a pair of rushing touchdowns in the game. So a couple of rushing touchdowns for the Texas transfer, Keontae Ingram. Yep. All right. So let's recap the predictions for this week between myself and my guest, Marcus Grant. The players we believe in both. Going with the D, I am taking linebacker Kanai Mauga. Marcus taking the outside linebacker, Drake Jackson. For the score, I have it 34-24 USC. Marcus going with 30-10 USC. On the prop bet, Nara's no doubter is that there will be at least nine punts combined between both teams in this game. Marcus, taken for granted, is going to have Keontae Ingram getting two rushing touchdowns. So we shall see what happens. I'm keeping track all season long of how I do against my guests. Right now, it's 500. Two wins, two losses, and two ties in predictions against Derek Deese, Tim Brando, and Ryan Leaf so far. So Marcus, we'll see how you do on that ledger as well. This is, of course, the everything usc podcast on the believe podcast network i am your host nara wang my guest today taking care of all the fantasy football on the nfl network as host of nfl fantasy live marcus grant also a guy i have known since we were both freshmen in trojan hall back in the day at the university of southern california if you enjoy listening to the show subscribe download and rate it on iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Luminary, tune in all your favorite podcast directories, or go to the website Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media, at Believe Podcasts. You can find and follow me on Twitter, at Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Marcus, where can everyone catch up with you? Best place to find me is on Twitter at Marcus G, M-A-R-C-A-S-G. But I got the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast a couple times a week, wherever you download podcasts. And then NFL Fantasy Live on NFL Network, Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. I used to say set your DVRs, but then that made me sound like an old person because I guess people don't really use DVRs anymore. So I had to stop saying that. I mean... I still use a DVR, but I guess that makes me an old person, right? <laughs> so I mean, I still use one too, but like I say that and people are like, yeah, I just stream everything. I don't have a DVR. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> All these young kids with their streaming. Although you can figure out a way to do streaming and DVR, I believe. Yeah, you can do both. It's possible. They're missing out if they're not recording things. I mean, that's all I'm going to say about that. This is Steve Lavin, former UCLA and St. John's basketball coach and current college basketball analyst for Fox Sports. And you're listening to the Everything USC podcast with Nara Wang on the Believe Podcast Network. I mentioned in the open that Marcus and I have known each other since we were freshmen at USC, beginning in the fall of 1994. One of the reasons I asked him to be my guest this week to preview the game versus the Oregon State Beavers 
is because of what that matchup means in our shared personal history. You see, the two of us, along with our mutual friend and my freshman year roommate, Liam Carr, became the first three freshmen ever to call a football game for KSCR, the USC student-run radio station, back on October 8th of 1994, up in Corvallis, Oregon. How exactly did three guys who had been college students for barely over a month get the chance to do that, you might ask? Well, it begins with the fact that, as a student-run radio station with a limited budget, the members of the sports staff who called the away games had to pay their own way to those games. And with the Trojans a disappointing 2-2 to start that season, coming off of a brutal home loss to Oregon, and the Beavers a bad 1-3 team themselves, none of the upperclassmen at KCR were interested in spending any money on a weekend trip to Corvallis. Since no one was going to do it, Liam Marcus and I figured it couldn't hurt to ask the KSCR sports director, a senior by the name of Jacob Ullman, who just happens to now be senior vice president of production and talent development for Fox Sports, if we could make the trip and call the game for KSCR. It took some convincing, but the fact that we had all proven ourselves to be hardworking, dedicated, and knowledgeable sports staff members gave him enough faith and confidence in us to not completely screw things up and he gave us an opportunity that no freshman had ever received before. That is one of the most memorable things I did during my entire time as a student at USC. And we've got so many stories we could share from that experience, Marcus. Where would you like to begin on this trip down memory lane? <laughs> Man, well, I mean, might as well just start at the beginning, right? Once we got the green light from Jake to make this trip, I remember us making our preparations, right? That we, you know, we, we somehow bought plane tickets. Neither one of us was old enough to legally rent a car, but we got Liam's older brother, Seamus, who was a senior at the time and who was 21 or might've been even 22, but whatever. He was of legal drinking age. I know that we got him to call and rent the car in his name and hope that Liam and Seamus looked enough alike that we could use Seamus's driver's license to go pick up the car when we got there. So I remember that. I remember then we decided, well, who's going to be the play-by-play announcer and who is going to do color commentary? We drew names out of a hat and Liam ended up winning, which we later realized that we were pulling names out of his Lucky Cubs hat. which was, Right. It was rigged. It, it was, was rigged. Lucky Cubs hat and Seamus was the one pulling the name out. It was right. rigged from the beginning. <laughs> like we never had a shot at that. And then I do remember like a day or two before we, we had to make the trip, Jake said, hey, I've got the, the broadcast equipment for you. Come by, pick it up. I'll show you how to use it. And I remember us feeling like, uh-oh, like, how technical is this going to be? Can we put this stuff together? Is, you know, are we going to have to practice a whole lot? And I remember we showed up and he gave us a brown paper grocery bag that had a phone in it. Just your regular standard. For the kids, it was a rotary phone, which I know, you know, probably... No, it was Touchstone. It was Touchstone. <laughs> was it Touchstone? Okay, yeah, it, it was, was a Touchstone phone. All right, but it was just a phone. And he's like, yeah, plug this in, dial the number, and we'll put you on the air, just like a phone call. I was like, oh, this is way more, you know, simple <laughs> than what I anticipated it being. But I do remember the trip itself was sort of a comedy of errors. We got lost multiple times driving you know, around the city of Portland when we landed. And then we got lost once we got to Corvallis. It was a memorable, obviously here it is all these years later, what we're talking, you know, almost 30 years later, we're still talking about it. But it was kind of a comedy of errors that ended up for the good when it was all said and done. 
Yeah, we got to go into a little more detail on why we got lost. And, of course, he's not here to defend himself, but it was mostly Liam's fault fault. that we were getting lost. So starting with booking the trip, people don't understand. That was like pre-internet booking of things. So we were calling long distance up to Oregon and to airlines. Luckily, airlines have like toll-free numbers and all that stuff, but I essentially called every airline to see who had the cheapest flights up. And I believe it was Alaska. It was Alaska Airlines. That yes. we flew mm-hmm. up with a stop in San Jose. We connected in San Jose. So, and this is, of course, pre, you know, 9 11. Mm-hmm. And so my parents drove up because I grew up in the Santa Cruz area. So, not a far drive for them to come up to the San Jose airport. And they met us at our gate with food. For our flight up to that. Portland. <laughs> and right. so we were the envy of the entire plane going up to Portland because we had fresh Thai food that had just been bought by my parents in San Jose. <laughs> and again, that could never happen now. Like We'd have to leave the airport to meet them if we wanted to get anything because of security now. But they were able to come right to the gate, meet us, say hi to me. I hadn't seen them since they had left me in L.A. to begin my college experience, <laughs> basically, in the end of August. So that was good for them. And so we make it up there. Again, we are stressing hardcore if we're going to pull off this illegal activity of <laughs> Liam impersonating Seamus anyway, right? So we get there. We go over to, I believe it was Alamo. That was the rental car company because they were. Well, I, I, remember there was, I remember there was confusion because we, weren't, we didn't remember if it was. We had come up with two slogans, right? It was either remember the Alamo or it was national because green means go. And I remember the confusion of, wait, which which counter do we go to? And I think we ended up getting it right because it was remember the Alamo. Right. We showed up there. So you and I stayed outside. We wanted no part of being there to maybe ruin <laughs> things for Liam as he's trying to pull off his Seamus impersonation act. And... I think the statute of limitations is long past. I think we can discuss this freely. On I think, I think we're fine now. Right? <laughs> so he is in there for what seems to be too long a time. I remember just talking to you like, oh, man, uh, the jig is up. We're going to have to call Jake and explain that it didn't work. We couldn't get a rental car. We can't show up in Corvallis to call a game. Like, we're just, you know, there were no Ubers or Lyfts or whatever back then that you could maybe pick up. Yeah, there were taxis. but That would have been, been a hell of an expensive. Portland, right. To Corvallis. It wasn't going to happen. So after what seemed to be forever, which was probably more like, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes in real time, Liam comes out, kind of looking crestfallen. We look at each other and just like, oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) And then he pulls out keys from his pocket, and we just start celebrating like (laughs) giddy children, basically, that we had gotten our car. Now, the issue is that Liam doesn't write down the directions to our <laughs> motel in Corvallis. We didn't have Google Maps back then. There so were like... no Google Maps. There were no smartphones the kids <laughs> have nowadays to tell themselves where to go. So we get completely lost in the Portland freeway system, trying to get away from Portland to Corvallis. And we're just driving in a loop, basically. And finally, it just gets to the point where I get so pissed, I just... Tell Liam, drive back to the airport. I'm going to run in, (laughs) write down directions so we can get there. So we finally do that. We finally end up getting to our like days in type place. I don't even remember exactly what Mm -hmm. it was. Really late. 
I think past midnight by the time oh, it, it was all said midnight. and done because of yeah. our repeatedly getting lost. And so we just go in, we crash. And then I remember the next morning, Liam waking up, throwing open the door to our room, to the parking lot that had corn stalks in it, and yep. just exposing himself, wearing only boxers to the world and letting all the cold air in, basically. And us telling him to shut the door because it was just too early for that, essentially. And <laughs> it was probably about 40 degrees. <laughs> it was pretty cold. It was cold. And so we make it to the game, and we are prepared. I mean, we had the entire rosters memorized. We had all the facts. Like, we had read the media guide front to back for both teams. We were super prepared because we knew we were being given a chance that no one had ever been given, and we wanted to prove ourselves. We were three freshmen who wanted to prove themselves and do a good job for KSCR. So we get up there, and we end up calling the game from a press box suite, but we had to share it with the two reporters from the USC Report, which was a publication that came out like weekly back then covering USC sports, and then also some Oregon State boosters were in that room. So we were sharing that suite and annoying the heck out of them, I remember, because we were calling a game. And by the way, we swapped out the phone that Jake gave us right. for our dorm room phone, because me and Liam were like, well, we're not going to be here. So we just took that phone because that was a speaker phone. Right. Again, kids... This old phone that was a touchstone phone had a hook that you had to take off the hook and we would have had to pass it back and forth to each other. So instead, we're like, hey, let's just use our speakerphone. So we, we took that. Again, another illegal thing that we did because we took USC property away from hey, the guys, dorm room. You brought it back. It was fine. Yeah, we brought it back. It was all right. <laughs> and so we used that. We're calling the game into a speakerphone, basically. And there were two calls from that game that are still remembered by <laughs> our circle of friends, all right? So the first one is during the game. I don't even remember the, who the punt returner was for Oregon State, but he drops the punt. So I say that the Beavers muffed the punt, which, which is completely accurate. Completely accurate. I stand by the accuracy of that <laughs> description of the play to this day. But you can understand why... It led a bunch of college students a to... A bunch of teenage boys to start giggling. Give me yeah. some <laughs> when I returned to Los Angeles. And the other call was USC blocked an Oregon State point after try, and Micah Phillips picks it up, runs it all the way back for the first ever two-point defensive conversion in USC history. And Liam, to his everlasting credit, not a broadcast major like the two of us were, not a trained play-by-play guy. None of us were at that point. We're freshmen, a month into school. And he gives a tremendous call, describes it perfectly. At the end, just enough of a pause, and then says, simply, simply amazing. Simply amazing. <laughs> I mean, like, the best thing you could call on a play, called it perfectly. We had a great time doing it. And it was, it was crazy. Like, we screwed up in stupid ways like just you know like figuring how to do everything but it was a great experience i was the one who was assigned to get the post-game interviews to get sound for the next week's kscr sports shows during the week so it's my first time ever going into a college football locker room and i'm interviewing tony baselli all american <laughs> left tackle you know after the game i'm interviewing a bunch of the trojan players but i remember just standing and looking up at the mountain of a man that Tony Baselli is, who's, you know, wearing a towel at that point because he had just come out of the shower. It was craziness. So the other part 
that I remember is when we got back and we get picked up at the airport early in the morning, like about, I would say, 8, 9 o'clock at LAX by Seamus. And then we're driving back toward SC and he blows by the exit for campus. And we're like, uh, what, what's going on here? Like, aren't we supposed to be going back to campus? He's like, no, I got something for you guys. And that was our first trip to the pantry. That's right. To cap off that, <laughs> that amazing that, experience. That insane weekend. You know, the, the other part you forgot, though, is like we didn't actually know for sure if we were going to have a ride from the airport. You know, Liam hadn't actually checked in with Seamus to confirm that he would pick us up. He just was supremely confident that his brother would be there. And I remember getting off the plane and saying, hey, Liam, you know, we have a ride, right? And Liam not saying a word and just just walking, just power walking through LAX. And then fortunately we got there, we walked outside and Seamus was standing at the curb with his roommate's 1956 Chevrolet, his roommate Christoph's cherry red 1950s Chevrolet. And that is how we got our ride to the pantry. Good times. (laughs) I mean, yeah, there was just so much that had to go right for us on that trip. And for the most part, it did even with all the foibles and getting lost and, you know, calling a game into a speakerphone and annoying the heck out of the people who are in that suite with us. And it was just an amazing experience. Like I said, one of the best moments I had in school at USC, got to share it with two of my best friends. And it really did, I think, help us early to understand everything that goes into how you do a game. And I don't think that we necessarily grasped that at the time, but I think back and just like the logistics of trying to figure out how to book everything and doing all that stuff was great experience to learn that at such a young age. No, absolutely. Yeah, you you really got a sense of how things work. I mean, in terms of the logistics of putting on a broadcast, of preparing for a broadcast, of dealing with, you know, sports information and media relations and all that sort of thing. The whole setup was amazing. And, you know, I bet you if I you know, did a thorough search and really dug around, I might still have a tape, a cassette tape copy of that game somewhere at my mom's house. I think I hope she didn't toss it, but I know it existed a few years ago. I wonder if I dig around at some point if I come across it. I don't have a tape player to play it on. I don't know where I would play it, but I think the cassette still exists somewhere. Right. I for sure know I still have that cassette tape somewhere. I just don't have a tape player to play. (laughs) And I think at some point I need to convert all of my old cassette tapes and record it and get it digitally stored before they degrade and, you know, be turned into dust, essentially. But yeah, so again, that is why I wanted to have Marcus Grant on this week talking about Oregon State, because again, our experience with the Beavers goes back a long, long way. So Marcus... Glad to have you on. As always, you got to make predictions. We'll see how we do against each other. We've been making predictions against each other since those KSCR days, right? So we'll see how that goes. And before I let you go, one quick, because you are the fantasy guy, who's the fantasy MVP for this weekend? For this weekend, I think, where are we going to go for this weekend? I will say that a good option, probably Kyler Murray. I mean, dude's been great the first couple of weeks, and he's done it without running. I mean, part of his his appeal is his ability to run the football. He hasn't really had to do that, but he's been really, really good. And then on top of it, he gets to pick on the Wobegon Jaguars defense. So it feels like this is a, a big Kyler Murray week coming. All right. You heard it here. Kyler Murray for the win. So 
For my guest, Marcus Grant of the NFL Network, I'm Nara Wang. Thanks for joining us for episode 38 of the Everything USC podcast, presented by Bet Online on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles' number one sports podcast network, the only place with the show for every team in LA and so much more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? And as always, I end every show with a fight on. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.